All right, blockaders, you know what time it is. It's time to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend himself after a high day of clamming, Mr. Robin Vote. Let's sit back, relax, and make the jump into a galaxy far, far away. Man, rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past Dorchester. Across the galaxy. Welcome back to Around the Galaxy. I'm John Bishop, and we're looking today at some amazing 360 video from Disneyland Resort about the Millennium Falcon of, of the Smuggler's Run attraction that's coming in for Galaxy's Edge. And we're trying to keep uh, our attention focused as, as Galaxy's Edge comes to fruition, but I think it's really difficult not to get too hyped up about this, as at some point we're all going to be able to go inside the Millennium Falcon, the spot where Luke first uses a lightsaber. And where Chewbacca is playing chess with R2-D2 and all of these wonderful moments. It's just amazing to me that something that was so ephemeral, you know, the, the sets for all of the movies and, and being able to imagine being on the Millennium Falcon. You know, the, really the most important ship in the Star Wars galaxy, the, the ship where the action of many of these episodes comes from. I mean, this is the ship. You know, the, essentially a full movie was written about it in, in the solo, the Star Wars story. It's amazing to me how integral a non-quote-unquote character is to the entire franchise. And now, you know, we're just getting teases of it. And I'm looking around the chess room on YouTube right now, and, and, and you can't get close enough. I want to know if, if Luke's original put-the-blast-shield-down helmet is is sitting on a shelf. And, you know, what's it going to smell like? What What exactly is it going to feel like? Is it going to feel hollow underneath the floors? I mean, the word is fantasies from when, you know, you were, at least in my estimation, I was two or three years old when I first saw the movie and, and all the way till today where my son is playing with a Millennium Falcon of his own. I'll never forget taking Jack, my, my oldest, to The Force Awakens, just like my dad took me to A New Hope. And here I'm going to be able to take all three of my sons to Disney World and my guys are all going to walk on and pilot the Falcon. I mean, it's just incredible. And I know I'm just waxing uh, poetic here for no reason. But, you know, it, sometimes you, d you just need to enjoy the, the wonder in life. How does this happen? How do we get to this point where I'm going to be able to walk onto a spaceship in a theme park and, and make it feel as if it was the, the moment when I saw the light speed trails go across the screen when I was watching A New Hope in 1977? I mean, it's just amazing. So... I guess I'm really thankful to be here in this moment and to be excited for all of these things. I'm trying to weed out all the internet hate about who should direct what and why it shouldn't happen and all that stuff. I'm focusing on the childlike wonder of stepping onto a Star Wars freighter and, and you know, YT-1300 Millennium Falcon. Oh my gosh, this is the one that they won in the Sabacc game. It's just going to be amazing. I hope you guys join me there. I can't wait to see it.
Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to Make the Jump Podcast here from the BrickCityBlockade.com Podcast Network. It's your man right here, Robin Vote, the host of the show. And as you know, here on Make the Jump, we love bringing on special guests from around that galaxy far, far away and even beyond so, even though we have not explored those galaxies here on Earth. But anyway, I am super excited to welcome on the lovely Anna Graves. You guys know her as Duchess Satine and so many amazing roles. Anna, thank you so much for joining the blockade tonight the blockade the brick city blockade really is that where i'm at <laughs> oh, I, I, i'm so thrilled to be here thank you no i don't I'm sound so... like that at all actually <laughs> i love it i love so it good to be here man yes yes i'm super excited to have you on you know being a clone wars fan i'm sure all the blockaders out there who are listening are probably like oh my goodness he's got anna on how great is this and Dude, we have a great conversation tonight <laughs> oh, you know, those blockaders out there, they, they they get those blushed faces and they're like, ooh, wow, they, I'm going to tune in on this one. We're going to see what this is all about. Uh, <laughs> so we're super excited. We're super excited. So let me ask you this off the bat, because, of course, we've had a lot of voice actors here on the uh, voice actors, voice actresses here on the podcast network. and. And it's it's been awesome to interact. And I feel like you guys, I'm going to say right off the bat, you guys don't get enough credit for what you do because we see these characters on the screen and we're watching these animated and whether we're playing video games, you know, we see the characters, but your voices are synonymous with the characters. And then we see you at conventions and we get to meet you in person. And it's like a whole other experience. And I, and I, I really feel where we look at the Leonardo DiCaprio's and, and uh, the Amelia Clark's and people who really stick out in terms of their acting. I feel like you, the voice actors and actresses, don't get enough credit for the work that you do because you do some really special stuff behind the scenes, behind that microphone, behind closed doors all the time. So I want to thank you, number one, for all the hard work that you guys put into it. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you for your thanks. Absolutely. And I think the entire Blockade crew and all the listeners would uh, would agree with me in saying that uh, it, it's an appreciation to its highest, highest order. So let me just ask you, when did you know that voice acting was a career that you really, truly wanted to, to pursue? And... In the process of that, were there any other career paths that you thought, hey, maybe I want to become a Shakespearean actress or maybe I want to go into world wrestling? I don't know. There's always a various, various amount. I don't think the wrestling one is probably one, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. And I wish never. I could have said, oh, I was an engineer and then I became a voice actor. But that's not true. I, um, I, I just always had the performing bug when I was a kid and I loved pretending. I loved cartoons. And I just sort of automatically assumed that meant that I was supposed to be an animator. But I wasn't especially talented as an artist. I tried. I took a lot of art classes. And um, it just never fell into place for me. So I ended up doing musical theater and singing and dancing and acting. And um, uh, and then for a while I thought I wanted to go into journalism. And But then I realized that the realism of the real world and the news sort of depressed me. And I was like, well, I don't have to be that type of journalist. I can go after the the uh, the positive stories. But sure. I uh, continued to do theater. And that was where my passion, you know, lie. And I, I wanted to I, I just wanted to make people happy. Because when I'm an audience member, and when I'm sitting at home and watching a cartoon, or if I'm sitting in the theater and watching a movie, I very much enjoy the experience of being that audience member and it brings me great joy and sorrow and um all these emotions so i if i can do that for people then that makes me feel like i'm doing something worthwhile to sort of get them away from their 
everyday trials and tribulations and problems in life and just kind of, you know, we all we all need a time out or something fun to follow. I love and, that. Uh, so and I don't know, I'm now I'm veering off course. But I um so I didn't know specifically. I knew I moved out to Los Angeles. I was like, I'm gonna be an actor. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know exactly what kind of actor that was. Sure. And I um oddly enough married a cinematographer and I say oddly because I'm not very comfortable in front of camera. I prefer being behind the microphone. I prefer being up on a stage. Um, So voice acting was one of those things that as I was taking years and years of acting classes after I moved out here and doing theater, I met a number of voice actors and I uh, remembered that passion that I always had for cartoons and animation as a kid. And I even have like old embarrassing audio tapes of me, you know, pretending to host radio shows and make up fake commercials. And, and, uh, so it was clearly, it was always something that I was interested in and that that I wanted to do. Um, so then I stopped doing, you know, theater at night and started spending all of my money on voiceover workshops and microphones and geeking out on everything voiceover. Nice, nice. I I love that you just use the word geeking out on voiceover stuff. That yeah. is amazing because that term just goes beyond everything that, that that we ever understand about something. You know, that you can geek out on whatever it is, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Star Trek, it's whatever you're passionate about. I always tell people that, like Brick City Blockade, it's a geeking out show, guys. Like this is <laughs> this is what we do. We sit down, we talk Star Wars, we and we talk with people. And there's nobody that stands in the way of you being able to geek out on what you want, much like yourself. Yeah. You didn't, you know, you found that passion somewhere and you said, you know what, I'm going to geek out on it and I'm really yeah. going to go hard into this and I'm going to get something out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No matter what it is, if it's if it's something, you know, worthwhile or especially that, uh, you know, if you're naturally a withdrawn person, if there's something mm. you can geek out on and have in common with a huge community of people, like there's something... Like I know, I, like I went to go see Avengers on the first weekend and it was funny sure. I went with a, a number of different people, some who are hardcore fans and some who are like, eh, it's okay. I don't normally go to movies the first right. weekend they come out, but but I'm here. And I was like, you know what? I'm somewhere in between all of that. But I, at the same time, like it's, you know, don't, it, you're not necessarily doing it because you're being a follower. You're doing it because you enjoy it and because you love it. Right. And, and as far as pop culture things and, and things in the entertainment world, they have an ebb and flow to their popularity. And yeah. as you know, as a Star Wars fan, it has had an ebb and flow. And I, uh, I don't care about sharing my age. I was born in 1978. And so when I was a kid, the original trilogy was a big deal. You know, sure. I, had, I had the movie. I, I saw, you know, I saw, when did I see it? Because Return of the Jedi, we got it on VHS, and I watched it when I was a kid. Gotcha, I got, yeah. You know, I got my stuffies, my plushy Ewoks <laughs> for Christmas. And, oh, man. Um, and started that way, you know, and started watching, like, the animated series, and I watched all the Ewok spinoff movies. Oh, nice. And um, I, I just, like, I was a huge fan of the, and my brother, my, my brother was eight years older than me, so mm. I would always steal his comic books. So he had Star Wars comic books and, <laughs> and Star Wars, you know, the books with the, of course, the, the paperback books of the based on the movie had pictures from the film so i was just like oh my oh, gosh wow. it's so great <laughs> so you're even geeking out on star wars even oh yeah in, in the glory ages of star wars really in the glory when it was... ages of star wars i was geeking out on it and then i feel like it kind of came in and out you know during the yeah. 90s for me and then i remember when they re-released a new hope in uh the 19 
what was that, 1997? Yeah, sure. Really yeah. listeners know exactly when it was. I still have my <laughs> ticket. I still have my, nice. my movie theater stub. It's in a, in a box. But um, I was, you know, sitting in the theater and getting to experience a new hope in the theater. I was like, oh, my God, I am re-hooked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's amazing that that experience and it came right around that time when we were like, are we going to get any Star Wars coming up? Like we heard rumblings of George saying, uh, you, you know, it, happy birthday to George Lucas, of course. Yes, and I, happy can, birthday let, to George. Let, let me also say this too: a happy belated birthday to yourself. Hey, thanks, man. As Thank well. You. you know, you and George have that that Cohen, Cohen uh, what do you want to call it? Like a a. Uh, coherence in terms of your birthdays like it, that is, it's all lined up yes yes george and i are on the same plane <laughs> as we like to say and we are both taurus i'm not really big into the astrological signs but we can be bulls <laughs> when we need to be george. right right that's a good point that's a good point and <laughs> yeah i mean it was that span of the late 90s when we heard uncle george talking about oh, i don't know i have some ideas and i don't know what i want to do with them yet and yeah, yeah finally he was like yep here it is phantom menace and then we get all the re-releases and everything and it just sparked everything once again and yeah. it was just a great time it was a great time to be a star wars fan i was very young but it was a great time to be a star wars fan then now how yeah. old were you when the clone wars premiered Oh, so I would have been, here's here's showing how young I was. Uh, I would have been just probably leaving middle school. Okay, okay. Right around that time. Yeah. Did you go see it in the theater when they released the first episode? Now, this was interesting. Growing up here in New Hampshire, uh, the, the thing that happened up here is we had a very small local theater in Exeter, New Hampshire, and it was called the Ioka Theater, and they did releases of certain films, which I never really understood. Uh, we got our Star Wars and everything else, but when it came to like the Clone Wars and whatever else, um, they d- really didn't focus in on that. So actually, I had to travel all the way to Massachusetts to be able to see it in 2008, and I can tell you, being somebody who was growing up with the cinematic side of Star Wars. And uh, then we get the 2003, you know, we get that little thing on Cartoon Network that kind of outlines the Clone Wars a little bit. I'm like, okay, that's that's something, but it's not exactly what I'm looking for. Is a 2008 hit. Then you have <laughs> Filoni, and you have George, and you have the entire crew coming up with this project called the Clone Wars. Yeah. And boy, seeing it in the theater for the first time, I was like, this is spanning something brand new in Star mm-hmm. Wars that I was not used to yet. And I fully adapted to it. And even to this day, I'll say this, Anna, even to this day, I have enjoyed the animated projects almost the same, if not greater than the actual films themselves. Good man. Good man. Cause I honestly, <laughs> it is about the storytelling and it is it about is. the characters and the fact that the clone wars was the last soul project that George did that were yeah. all these stories that he wanted to tell. And, um, and, and the fact that I got to be a, part of that was huge huge i'm i'm i pinched myself when i left uh from the callback i remember for Mm. clone wars um because at that point i had i did a lot of commercials i did promos i did Mm. you know a handful of video games but this was my first animated series so when i got cast and i went in on the first day to record the first episode Mm. i was a little freaked out and intimidated and i didn't know anybody and i saw phil lamar the oh, Phil, yes. Omar. And I was like, oh, hey, Phil, I've met you a couple times. Um, 
uh, and he was like, oh, it's good to see you. And I, and I was like, you know, wow, I'm kind of nervous, you know, and he just like joked around with me and put my, my mind at ease and got me laughing before we went into the session. And, um, and then I talked to, to Dave about how George Lucas had created this character of Duchess Satine and mm-hmm. what she meant for the Mandalorians and why it was a big deal and what was happening in Mandalore at the sure. time. And I was just blown away. It was it was intense. And I thought it was just a one-off episode. I thought, okay, I came in, I had my my beautiful day at Star Wars. That was that was my shot, right? And I left right. just pinching myself, so excited that that had happened. And then I got a call not long after that saying, hey, they want you back. And they had written two more episodes with the Duchess Satine. Um, so we, we recorded oh, the wow. one... Um, so we recorded the voyage, uh, temptation of voyage, voyage of temptation, um, (laughs) first. And then we went back and recorded the episode before that and the episode after that. So it was sort of a a, a little trilogy in the second season, um, for, for Mandalore. And that was the beginning of that, that storyline. And that Mandalore storyline, I'm telling you, it's amazing how much it is spanned through the Clone Wars into Star Wars Rebels and beyond. I think that it's the one aspect of the Star Wars storyline that just it spans the entire no matter who the character is, you know, whether we're talking about James Arnold Taylor's Obi-Wan or you're talking about Anakin or you're talking about any of these characters, the Mandalorians have always had. A, a firm grasp on the storyline, no matter what part of Star Wars it was. I mean, yeah. even just Obi-Wan and Anakin, the Clone Wars, then heading into Star Wars Rebels, we see Sabine, we see the, the struggle on Mandalore, everything happening with the Empire coming to the, to take over and everything else. And there's just so many different ways that it just consumes the storyline. And it's something that George really, I, just as a fan, I'm saying this, you, you were in the studio, you saw some of this happening even then. But George was really starting to flush out the story with Dave, and Dave took it to the next level after 2012 and said, "What just what does George always do? The the this is the best thing that George ever did was he took that and he put it on the shelf and said, Dave, take that off the shelf when the time is right.' And it's it's beautiful the way that it flowed right into the acquisition that Disney uh, did. Yeah, I agree. I full, fully fully agree. And Dave is uh, if you have any 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 doubts about where Dave Filoni's mm. Star Wars love lies, then you don't know Dave. You've not yeah. heard him talk about Star Wars. And he's, um, he has, as he says, he's the Padawan and he's, or the, he's the Jedi and George is the master, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, yeah, George Lucas made a good decision in Mr. Filoni. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of Duchess Satine, one of, one of my personal favorites and favorites, and I was actually talking with my co-host and uh, co-founder of the podcast network, Sean Michaud. And he was like, you know, Duchess Satine is one of those characters that I consistently go back to because of her role, not only as a leader, but also the influence that she had alongside Obi-Wan, that Obi-Wan had such a passion for her, that this was something that Qui-Gon had talked to Obi-Wan about that what the Jedi say about love and interest and whatever else is not really true. And Obi-Wan kind of took that to heart and really saw something more in her. And I think she saw a lot in him. And this is interesting because that that character kind of really started flowing more and more. And I remember watching it myself and I was like, wow, this is, this is different. This is very different than what the Jedi have always, you know, been told. And it's amazing. So for you specifically, Playing that character of Duchess Satine, 
what was it like working next to James Arnold Taylor? What, what was it like having that that uh, one-to-one interaction and being able to work alongside him? Because he's such a cool guy. He's such a cool guy. He is. And uh, he does such an incredible job portraying Obi-Wan as we got to know old Ben and young Ben throughout mm. the, the original trilogy and then the prequels. And he did this wonderful um, version of him him you know his version of obi-wan and it's interesting because i remember in the first session that we had we were trying we it it was kind of scary how effortless it was in our matching energy um because i I think that is what obi-wan and um satine's relationship obviously obviously they love each other very much sure but it's based on this mutual respect for for each other right and um Within that respect comes this, you know, push and this, this, uh, they challenge each other. And sure. in all the sessions, that's exactly what it was. It was sort of like um, us trying to one up each other, which is oh, interesting cool. because like James in real life is not that guy at all. Like he's not the <laughs> performer that you're, you're in the room and you're intimidated by because sure. he's so nice and so um, welcoming and he puts you at ease. And so we're we're not naturally people that are like that. So when we get mm. into our characters and we were just like, mm, you know, one, two, one, two, going after each other with those lines, it was it was very well written. Yeah. And um, big shout out to Paul Dini, who mm. is I have the pleasure of knowing now. And he is the writer of um, the first episode that I did um, as Duchess Satine. And he's just it's the way that those characters are written, um, I think is what made the audience so excited to see what happened or wait, Mm -hmm. what did happen? Or, you know, all these unanswered questions about them. Yeah. Yeah. There are very many unanswered questions. And I think that, and that's the one thing that I do like about star Wars is that it doesn't answer all the questions. It kind of lets the fans be like, okay, I'm going to play out some headcanon here. I'm going to see where it moves. I'm going to see where it shakes. And, that, that's yeah. that's essentially what what we were able to do back then was we were able to say okay I wonder wonder what what it's like beyond that you know actually being there you know listening to you guys behind the scenes <laughs> in the room like what was those interactions like and hearing these stories are are just so amazing and it's what us fans have always wondered you know that behind the scenes look <laughs> at all of it it is funny because I will say there's no like you know we were never when I was there we were never rolling pre-record you know pre pre-recording the show so sure. but when we would get there we'd get there early we'd get our scripts we would read our scripts um and then we would you know have time to catch up with each other personally and then we would be called back into the into the recording area then we would go over the script with dave you know scene by scene character by character any questions we had he would give us so much input input and i mean you've signed ndas so there was this Mm. you know absolute understanding that you if you talk about it in the room you don't take it outside the room (laughs) it stays in the studio um so when he would talk to me about what was happening and what was coming up in episodes that weren't you know recorded yet from Mm. that we would do like a year or two later i uh i was just like wait what this is gonna happen and oh my god (laughs) that's cool It's that's tough. awesome. That's so, awesome. And I, I just got lucky that they kept calling me back for other characters as well. So they brought right. me in for Sookie the Bounty Hunter. And right. um, I also played um, Senator Mina Tills in the Waterworld episodes. 
and oh, I played um, uh, uh, the twins, the twin Jedi's. Yes. Uh, and um, uh, who else? I don't know. A lot of characters. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. You had a, you had such a a repertoire of characters within the Clone Wars. I mean that that's that must that must be wonderful that you get to you know even after doing that one role you're like oh man they're giving me some of these other roles this is pretty cool you know my voice is yeah. being utilized I mean, in all parts of Star Wars. It, it is a beautiful thing too, and 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 you always hope that <laughs> you know other that casting directors and directors mm. know your range and know what your what your um you know what you're possible what what is possible for you as a performer so um you know this is my normal voice this is my regular voice i don't often get hired to sound just like this it's mm. it's an instrument and it depends on what you can do with your instrument so if you're looking to be a voice actor don't just be a voice actor because someone says oh you have a really really pretty voice or oh you have a fantastic voice you should really do movie trailers or you know yeah. uh, i've heard many people say that Oh, people say I have a great voice and that's wonderful. That's great. That's your, that's your beginning step. That's your tool, but it's what you can do with that tool. You know, take singing yeah. lessons, learn how to, uh, you know, be able to control your pitch and your volume and your, and you know, add fry or vocal fry or no fry or smooth it out or warmth or pitch, you know, tell, you know, your tone, your tinniness, all those things that you can do. Uh, and, and watching, getting to watch Corey Burton, who, um, oh, yes. is one of the, I'd say probably most utilized player other than D Bradley Baker and mm. I don't know, James. And I mean, everybody kind of did so many multiple roles, you know, Sure. but, but Corey's just one of those guys who I really look up to. And I, I always tell him that I want to be him when I grow up and it's true. <laughs> right. It's still true. I still want to be Corey Burton when I grow up. I was just at Disneyland on Sunday for my birthday oh, nice. and it was mother's day and my birthday. And so I was like, let's go to Disney California adventure. And you, you hear Corey Burton everywhere, like you, yeah. everywhere you go. And Stephen Stanton, by the way, Stephen yes. Stanton's there. A lot of, the, and, and you know, all the, a lot of, um, some, some of my friends have done some VO for the new Star Wars park. I don't know if I can say who they are, so I'm not going to. <laughs> so Good move. Good move. Yeah. But, but I did audition. I auditioned oh, to be a voice at the, uh, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, oh, wow. Nothing yet. So, just the life of an actor. You can't get them all. You can't get them all. No, not really. Our fingers crossed. We're keeping our oh, fingers crossed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Something. Everybody, cross their fingers right now. <laughs> all you blockaders. Do it right now. One small theme park role. Yes. 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 <laughs> that is. Even that if it's at a concession stand. List. <laughs> yes. Yes. Add it to the bucket list. We'll right. get it knocked off of there. We'll get enough fans behind it. We'll hashtag. Get Anna a voice at Galaxy's Thank Edge. you. I have I, been doing some voice matching for a new, I won't say what it is, but a new Disney sure. movie. So sometimes mm -hmm. they need to find voice matches for the actors uh, while they're making the film and it's in pre-production. So you always hope, oh, maybe that, that person won't be available for the ride or for the video game. And <laughs> that's, you know, that's just more work for you. So right. always, always keep your, your imitation chops up. Whatever always. Disney characters you can you can do go for it keep that in your in your file folder i love that keep it in the file <laughs> folder stashed on the desktop just in case right? you put it into google drive and send it off to somebody yeah that That's way when people say what characters can you do then you can say well <laughs> i got this and this and this and this look at that look at that it's a vending machine of, of opportunities yeah right That's it's like perfect. eric bowser and all the eric does all the looney tunes characters now. oh that's right he does and he does uh Fozzie Bear on uh, Muppet Babies and oh, wow. 
He's a very versatile voice. That's awesome. That is so cool. So let me ask you, all right, because yeah. you played Duchess Satine. What is yeah. the one characteristic of Duchess Satine that you carry with yourself throughout life? Mm. Characteristic of Duchess Satine, probably loyalty. Mm. I feel like Duchess Satine is very loyal um, to her people and to being the best leader that she can be. And I know that she's not the traditional Mandalorian leader. And that's why I respected her was because um, I felt like she did things her own way and she was trying to change the way things were done. Um, but her loyalty really strikes me as one of her best qualities. She's fierce. She's a lot mm. more fearless than I am, but I am, I am fierce. Like I have my own insecurities and things like no normal everybody everybody does sure but that said uh when it comes to like my family and my friends i'm a mama bear i will, <laughs> I will attack. Um, yeah that's probably I how i'm that. most like the duchess nice nice and also now we have lucasfilm exploring so many different ideas for projects whether it's animated whether it's in film whatever else no are you gonna as, get disney plus i'm gonna uh, get disney plus and i love the price point i Pretty love good. it it's like 599 a, a month right? yeah 580 and it's like 6.99 for the second month i'm like you're only gonna raise it like almost 50 cents on me i'm gonna do it right? it's got the mandalorian on it i'm like i know <laughs> you got it there you go, the Mandalorian stuff right there. They're, they're exploring it even more. Dave, more Mandalorian stuff. I love it. It's, it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. So for you specifically, being somebody who has been there and done that, and I love saying that, been there, done that, and has really soaked it all in. <laughs> Thank you, because I never have thought about that myself. I was myself, oh, been there, done that. Thank you. I'm going to add that to my little own little back of my head. Nice. What is the one thing? that you would love Lucasfilm to explore, whether it's an animated, whether it's in film, no matter what, what is the one thing you'd like them to oh, do? Dude, we, uh, I mean, I am so, just because I am, I do consider myself Mandalorian, mm -hmm. obviously. And I am looking at a, a Mythosaur skull right now, actually. <laughs> I have, Are you I have kidding a really me? beautiful metal light installation that my <sighs> husband got for me. <laughs> and it is hanging in my, my voiceover closet. But um, so, yes, I am very excited to see that we get to explore the Mandalorian world more. But outside of that, I would say, um, I mean, you could prequel the mm, out of so many things. I would yes. love to see, you know, Duchess Satine with uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon when they were Ooh. younger and they went on their adventures together and where exactly their relationship started. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see more of Padme and Anakin. I know we got a lot, but there was a lot going sure. on at the same time with, I mean, in Clone Wars, it was sort of touch and go with, like they were doing such a good job of pretending not to be together. That so true. When we got those little glimpses of them acknowledging that they were together, we were like, oh, 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 <laughs> um, you know, but I could, I could use some more Padme and, and Anakin. Mm. And, um, and I love me some, some Matt and some, some Cat Tabor. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but droids, I, I'm a big fan of R2-D2 and I feel like, um, one of my, f I've said this before, but my favorite, uh, scene in empire is when 
R two D two goes up on his tippy toes to see what Luke is doing in Yoda's. Oh wow! Right, and he's showing curiosity. He's he's a curious droid, and he always tends to get into mischief. But he also is always very confident about his decisions. He's always sort of like shaking his head at the humans and going, "I got this." Yeah, and I. I would love to see a show just about the droids. I would watch that. Wow. Um, That's great. I would watch a a number of shows, Robin. (laughs) We could go on and on. There's so many that that, that could happen. And new characters that you could explore and create and say, oh, yes, they they live on this planet or this star system. And yeah, you know. So true. I love that R2-D2 answer because everybody always talked to Anna. It's always that this story has always been because R2 has been there since day one in these yeah. all these storylines, that curiosity moment that he shows. And it's great how George, I'm so glad you bring up that scene because when he's looking into the hut, then we finally see the interaction between Luke and Yoda. It's almost mm-hmm. like that perspective of R2 is what follows us throughout these the sequel trilogy, the original trilogy, the prequels, where R2 is, we see it happen. And it is so important. And I think you're so right. When we wrap up this sequel trilogy, and I'm going to say this, and I've said it before on so many different other podcasts, I would love this entire thing to end up being from the droid's perspective. That would be cool. And then it's like, Whoa, isn't that where we began with the new hope when we saw R2 and C3PO running down the hallway getting away from Darth Vader and the stormtroopers? Yeah, yeah. And it would just be poetic in many different ways. So I'd love that answer. I've never had that before. Oh, thanks. Well, good. Yeah. Good. I uh I wish I was a writer. I would have written <laughs> it and not said anything. But um yeah. You never know. You that's, you're know. right, and it would be poetic because that's that that first scene when they're running down the hall and going, oh, oh, Rufio, <laughs> his drama. I love oh. Rufio. Oh, Anthony Daniels always shows that drama too, which I love. He's so good. He's so Such good. Great... I would. I do want. I, I want to meet the Anthony Daniels someday. I have not met him. Mm. It's a bucket list. Bucket list uh, person yeah. from the Star Wars universe. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me ask you. Final question here on make the jump podcast all right put what me in that, coach i'm ready what is that one piece of advice that you can offer to any young voice actress or actor out there that wants to make their way into the field there has never been a time like this before it is we are now at the age of technology where it mm. is easy to make this happen for yourself if you are willing to put in the effort Um, I do believe Mm. as Mm. a microphone geek that you should have the right hardware. Um, make sure you do your research about what your voice sounds good on, what kind of microphone you should have at home, not what everybody's recording on. And yes, you can, if you have money to buy microphones that match other, you know, recording studios, go for it. But Mm. otherwise, um, just, just work. Try to get out there and work as much as possible. And thankfully, I have been with my agents since 2004. They are my, like, Mm -hmm. they're my people. They represent me very well. And um, uh, that really does help. But it's not always easy to get representation. So until you get to that point, just keep acting. It's just Mm -hmm. like any other medium, stage, television, film, just keep working. And um, 
offering to, if you're just getting started, offer to do things for free. Get those elements that you need to create a reel. Have something to showcase your work. And um, now I wish I had these. Uh, D. Bradley Baker has a really great website. Mm. I can't remember if it's I want to be a voice actor.com. Mm-hmm. Let's look it up. Let's look it Perfect. up right now. This is great because this is where I will insert Star Wars waiting music. Good. <laughs> I love these moments because then the listeners are like, oh, that's different. So, Robin, the answer is I want to be a voice actor.com. That ah. is the website. And uh, it's a pretty great um a pretty great site uh, because mm. he's had so many people say, you know, how, how do I get into voiceover? So, and if you write him there too, he will, I think <laughs> respond. Cause I've seen many times where he's responded to people and given answers and it's very sure. helpful. So, but there's, there's a lot of uh, information on online now that when I was starting in voiceover, it, it didn't exist. It's right. uh, I remember my first voiceover classes in, in 2003, um, we were still leaving class at the end of the night with an audio tape. And I was oh, like, wow. really? Is this, we're still doing this? <laughs> we're st- I don't even know if I have a tape player at home. So I, I did, thankfully. I had yeah. this little portable tape player that I would go home and listen to my, listen to my workshop and listen to what the teacher told me. And, oh, wow. You know, try to, try to remember and you know, keep it in my, uh, my file folder for next time I audition <laughs> for something. But and it's never and also when you for those of you who are out there working who if your work isn't you know as much then I find it very um, fulfilling to take workshops now or to teach mm-hmm. a workshop. I had an opportunity to go back to Memphis where I'm from and mm-hmm. teach uh, for a week at a time each year, two years in a row, um, a voiceover workshop to high school students that were 16, 17, and 18 years old, oh, and wow. it was awesome. It was so amazing, and I I never. Until I did that, I never really foresaw teaching in my future. But I, I really enjoy teaching. I love hearing other people, you know, work and, and blossoming as a voice performer. And um, I feel like someday I want to be a voice, voice director um, because that is something that, you know, it's, it's like what we were talking about at the, be- the beginning of the show, mm. a way to give back that joy of performance and that joy is of being an audience member. I, I very much love listening to performers and I think that I could uh, have a pretty good instinct about what would be good for um, for shows. So we'll see if it doesn't work out and in 10 years you're like, oh, Anna's still not directing. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> did did you hear that kids? Professor Graves is ready to teach you everything you need to know about voice acting. <laughs> Let's do this. I Let's love it. Talk. Let's four cri- talk. Four critic yeah, course no, at the think... University of Tennessee. I like it. You're never too old to, uh, you know, have a new career path. And um, no, that's true. I uh, and 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 also as I get older too, I'm like, oh, maybe I should go back to doing uh, on camera acting, and maybe I should go back to doing mm. some more theater and things like that. So I, it's never too late to do whatever it is that you enjoy doing. You know, and, I love that. And reinventing yourself as well. That's perfect. Yes, reinventing does never it never ends. You reinvent yourself many times to fit whatever mood you're in or whatever you feel is necessary to keep yourself happy too. Like that that's the whole purpose and all of it is to make sure that you're fulfilling your own happiness as well right. and you're doing something that you're passionate about whether that changes or not. You just need to continue on that path of 
am I doing this because it's going to rack in the bucks or am I doing this because this is truly what's going to make me happy, you know? Yeah, if you're not striving, and I mean, as far as professions go, there's so many jobs out there that we do just to have a job, right? And get, you know, pay the rent and get the groceries and do the things you need to have health insurance. And that was basically the job I had before this job. But Mm. if I had never taken that day job, I probably would not have been the voice actor that I am today because yeah. that at that place, at that office, they were very, um, you know, flexible and letting me leave yeah. for, for lunches long and going to my auditions and um, very, awesome. very supportive people. But I knew that that wasn't the job for me because while I was there, I would find myself daydreaming and <laughs> thinking about other things I could be doing. And I was terribly right. bored. And when you're feeling that, you know, unhappiness in what mm. you're doing, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I should do something yeah. else. So um, it's never too late to try to figure out how to do that thing that you want to do and get paid for it. Yes. Yes, that's, that's right. Thing. Be like Luke on Tatooine. I don't know how much longer I can stay with Uncle Owen and Aunt Veru. So let me go out there and become the Jedi I need to be. Yes. That's exactly yes. the mindset. That's, that's the Luke instinct. Exactly. He knew he was destined for more and he didn't know where his path was going to take him. And I'm sure he didn't want that to happen. That's not how he wanted to get there. <laughs> but true. even if things hadn't have gone down that way, um, I do believe his aunt and uncle would have been supportive and said, go find your true self. Be yeah. You know. yeah. And aunt Baru, she... Oh, Luke. I, I always love listening to her voice. Drink your blue milk. <laughs> just drink your blue milk. He's You'll just okay. a boy. He's just trying just... to find himself. Oh, my goodness he gracious. He him. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I think it ended up being the grandson that actually had too much of the father in him uh, right? in, the, in the long run, in the long run there. but Uncle Owen, no. Oh, my goodness. Oh, all the mysteries of the Star Wars universe, Ms. Anna. Always something new coming around the corner in the Star Wars universe. So let me tell you this. We've reached that time of the podcast. Here at Make the Jump, it's that sad part, but I love doing it anyway. It's that little thing we like to call plug time here at the podcast network. So, Anna, where can the good people find you and everything you're doing across social media? Well, thank you so much, Brick City Blockade. And I got to tell you, you can find me on Twitter at eight, at Gravy Voice and uh, Instagram at Gravy Pick. And I'm trying to get better at uh, posting those photos, let you know what I'm doing out there. Sounds like a plan. We'll be keeping our eyes peeled. All you blockaders out there, head on over to Twitter, follow her. Follow everything that Anna is doing in that galaxy far, far away and all the amazing work that she continues to do in the voice acting world as well. Again, like I said at the top of the show, never get enough credit for what you guys do. So thank you again for all the amazing things you do behind the microphone because thank it makes us you. as fans. So thank you so much for being a podcaster and giving people more entertainment and being like <laughs> I, I, listening to podcasts about the things you love and geeking out on them. That is even that, that is a good use of your time. So mm. listen to the podcasts, watch the shows. And mm. thank you so much. And I give credit to all the voice actors that are out there as well, because I am a fan of all of them. So um, thank you. Thank you, Brick City Blockade. Absolutely. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets. Check me out over on Instagram at the official vote, www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in that galaxy far, far away and right here 
at the podcast network so patreon to support the network t public to rock the network and of course our galaxy of joy program with starlight children's foundation bringing smiles to kids faces in hospitals around the country every cent at a time so miss anna graves thank you so much for joining the blockade you're an honorary blockader here you are welcome on anytime you wish thank you for having me sir may the force be with you hey always (laughs) Hehehe <laughs>